Welcome to a new episode of Front End Happy Hour. A lot of the work we do impacts a lot of people using a product or application. And it's really important to understand how our users are resonating with the product that we create. Uh, a great way to better understand what works for our users is doing user testing. In this episode, we'll be discussing user testing. Let's go around and give introductions to our panelists. Jem, you want to start it off? Jem Young, Senior Software Engineer at Netflix. Augustus Yoon, Front End Engineer at Evernote. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a Software Engineering Manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Experience. Experience. If we say the word experience at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. All right. So let's jump in. How would each of you describe user testing? I would describe user testing as um, essentially like reaching out to your target demographic or your user base and then actually having them try out your application. And then at least how I'm familiar with it is like they will actually record themselves and go through like a bunch of different user tasks. And it's like a great way to like kind of like get in the mindset of what a user is doing when they like hit your application. And if you want them to do a specific action in your application, like that's my understanding. (laughs) I like it. I think of it very similar, but also sitting in a dark room and like behind the two-way mirror and like they're, you know, you're watching the customer yeah. use it. <laughs> I mean, I've been there. I've seen it. It's yeah, great. Yeah. Or even like you kind of mentioned is like they record a video of them interacting with it. So, yeah. What I would add is I don't think enough companies do user testing. Mm, yes. Because we have engineers, people with degrees or many, many years of experience. We have designers who are like excellent in modeling and things like that. And we we build these like beautiful UIs and you're like, oh, it's so intuitive. It makes sense. And your friends all say that because they're all in the same like social circle as you. And then you put out in the real world with people who have like are not familiar with your product, especially internationally, people that don't have the same like um, values as you. So like they're not necessarily going to click on this button because like it's not. Mm-hmm. what they believe it's not like it's not a cultural norm for their design and then you it's very humbling to see people stumble through your app and it reminds you of like who actually use your product it's not your friends or your family it's people you don't know and never heard of from a completely different background yeah i think that's really true and even Augusta said you kind of go after the demographic of your app Maybe also that you're trying to reach a new demographic. So how would you even interact with them? You'd have to go and reach those this demographic and share your app. The the thing that made me think of it too, Gem, is when you're talking about the feature or we build these beautiful UIs, it reminds me of like the hamburger menu. Like that was (laughs) not really a thoughtful menu that people were using. I mean, I still see it, but it's coming less and less. And I feel like I don't know where that came from. That can't be that intuitive as like, oh, this is a menu. Or carousels. Ooh, uh, classic should i use a carousel.com oh, check man, it out that was so good <laughs> i love when people say uh or a big company will roll out a new ui or a product to be like it's so intuitive and easy to use and like big marketing speak and i'm like if this is intuitive have you done real testing and seen like do people naturally navigate to the next do they know what to do and most of the time it's no it's intuitive to you because you spent six months looking at this but in the real world someone in from manitoba canada does not think the same way as you do and yeah i think that's and that's a good point too is that you're too close to it 
right? Like you, you've been working on this. You're like, oh yeah, I get it. I see it day in, day out. That button opens and closes this menu. And yeah, it, it's so intuitive. But yeah, it may not be when someone first looks at the product. Yeah, especially like kind of like what you were saying, like when you work on the product and you do, you know, like inside out the code and like all like the different possible like edge cases that a user can hit, like you don't really think of like how intuitive it is it is for a user to do like A to B because it's like, it's just kind of drilled into your brain that, oh, this is how it's done because you're just looking at the code. So it's just, yeah, it's like you said, it's very humbling to like see a lot of different perspectives of people coming and trying your app and then realizing, oh, it doesn't actually work as intuitively. Do your companies do it? Like, I mean, well, I mean, I've actually worked at Evernote and Netflix. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. you can can both answer this. Uh, Evernote definitely does it. Yeah, we still do it. Um, we use usertesting.com. I think actually, yeah, when we were both at, Ever- well, I'm still at Evernote, but <laughs> when Ryan was at Evernote, we would do user testing on the marketing website and we still heavily use usertesting.com, I think, for a lot of like the recordings of testing people on mobile apps. Uh, I've seen some of those videos and it's, it's <laughs> def- painful. It's, pa- it, yeah, that in is a good. Way. That, I, was, a good way. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to say it. But since we said it, yeah, it's definitely painful to watch, but also extremely enlightening. Yeah. You just like think to yourself like, oh, wow. Yeah, that is really confusing now that I think of it that way. Like if I've never used Evernote before, or if I came from another version of Evernote, maybe like, like it can be like pretty like confusing. So, yeah, we do it. Just like you said, it's. I think it's one of the more painful things I've watched in terms of engineering. I'm not talking about like, you know, childbirth or something like that. But, <laughs> but in terms of someone has a remote and they're testing out some UI on a TV and they're like 30 seconds, like, I don't know what I should do next. And it's like, click the button, click the button. It's right there. Just click the button. But again, that's all the assumptions we make because I've seen all this before and I know what you should do next. But you put in the real world someone who hasn't seen it before. It is painful and humbling at the same time because your beautiful UI could just fall flat because people don't get it. It hurts to see that, but you can't sit in everyone's living room and tell them how to use their how to use their remote. And yeah, and also that makes a lot of sense. Um, at Netflix, we have a whole team dedicated to that, like a consumer insights team. We go to other countries and and test out new features and whether it be a new feature that's added to like playback or something that's even for like our signup flow that getting people to understand what Netflix even is. Uh, so I find that really, really useful. I've traveled international to go and watch some of these and it was really humbling and you, you really got a lot of empathy for the user, even little things that we weren't really testing that you would start to see go, oh, that's probably not the best thing to have there. Or that is kind of confusing. It, you just don't necessarily see it all until you actually see people interacting with the product. I heard a story, I forget which country it was, but we were in a country, we were doing real user testing, and it turns out the font we're using made the language extremely hard to read because the language of like a lot of diacritics Whoa. on it. But it's something that we wouldn't even have considered. We're like, oh yeah, that's the text is right. Like localization says that's correct text. But in the real world, people are like, actually, this is a really hard font to read. And, and it was the font on. too. It wasn't like the, the translation was actually correct. Yes. But yeah, it was the font. And yeah, it wasn't something that we were user testing. It was in the, the, the product that we were testing, but it wasn't actually something that we were looking for, but it was something that we learned out of that user testing. So very, very powerful that we just learned something. Great experience, you might say. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. You know, one thing that 
sometimes comes up in when we're talking about user testing is A-B testing. And I think th- those things are, com- they're different. And so what what are the differences between A-B testing and user testing? I think it's probably good that we, you know, to talk about that early on in the episode so people understand the difference. My, my take, so a- as we kind of talked about user testing from our experiences, more of like someone actually walking through um, probably like a guided steps. So usually like um, when we do user testing through usertesting.com, there will be like like a little prompt. Um, they'll like you, they'll have like a recording and they'll be talking and they'll be reading out the steps that they're following through. And the user will actually go through those steps and be kind of speaking out loud to like talk about their like thought process. So it's a very like in some ways guided, but also like a way for the user to kind of inform us like what's going on in their heads and what are their thoughts on the user experience. Um, A-B testing is kind of something that doesn't necessarily need you to like see the user. Like you can actually roll this out to people um, for your application. And the idea of A-B testing is that you're literally testing like one single thing and you're just comparing them. So typically like an A-B test will have like a control, which is what your current site has. And then A and B might be two different little changes. Like it could be like a little feature change. It could be like a little design change but the good thing about this is you compare it against your control and you can see if there is a lift in like um if it's like doing better or if it's doing worse than control and you can kind of have like um a more informed opinion of if that change you made is better I don't know. yeah no i think that's a good explanation yeah, well said. and i think to add to that a little bit as well as i think of user testing is something that I think of, I mean, you can do it at any point in the process of de- building, developing, designing, whatever it is. But I think of it as something that's typically done early in the process. It's something that you might build prototypes, like really high fidelity or low fidelity uh, prototypes to get a signal on where, where to keep going if you're like, oh, maybe this is done like oftentimes actually at Netflix it's done before engineering has built something it's like trying to get an understanding of like is this the right path that we're on and getting a bit of feedback from the users early on and it's a lot more controlled environment like you said Augustus it's going through some steps asking questions along the way it's a lot more guided to have like a user go through it the user knows that they're going through this user testing like there's not really a way around it. They're in like either a focus group or some sort of session that they're going through versus with an A-B test. The whole point of it is, is that they don't really know that they're in an A-B test. Like they That's shouldn't know. Point. And yes. it's, uh, it is, like you said, it's more, you know, testing a variable, really understanding what that does to the core metric. Um, but that's tested in production with live real traffic as well and probably done at a larger audience versus user testing is fairly small. You're not going to have millions of people going through and user testing, but an A-B test may actually have millions of users going through it. Yeah. It's um, qualitative versus quantitative. Yeah. Like quantitative is actual numbers, like real people in the real world. And you're like, well, a million people got the experience and they clicked on this button. Cool. We can like count that. This is a discrete number versus qualitative, which is understanding how people feel and things that like can't be easily counted. But like they're still important to they the can experience. speak to it. But yeah, you, you're not going to know that in the real data. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. All right, so we covered you know what it's what the difference is nicely. What are some benefits of user testing? I think we've highlighted a few, but yeah, there's definitely more that uh, benefits to it. Yeah, you said it, Ryan. Like um, you can get early feedback on a product before you do some expensive polish and roll out. 
you can find out if you're in the right direction. Um, yeah, you can understand like sentiment, like what motivates people to move on or why they did a certain action, things you couldn't capture in just raw computed metrics. Yeah, and it cuts down on, if I think of it coming from engineers, it cuts down on, on us investing in something because like you may find like, this doesn't work and we you know we've user test this we've got a signal that this is probably not the right path rather than us spending six months or a few months building something rolling it out and then finding out it doesn't work you know it can still happen but hopefully this may prevent that from happening a little bit earlier on and so that if you do a b test something in production it's already refined that a little bit more i mean we've all kind of said it too it builds empathy yeah, like it really builds empathy with our users is like understanding how people interact with what we're creating. We're often sitting behind a computer coding, not really thinking about that. And yeah, I mean, you're thinking about the user experience, but you don't necessarily see, see this real person using it. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I will say like after watching like user testing videos, I care a lot more about my product. Not that I don't care about my product in general, but it's like once you like see someone struggling to use your application, um, it like it really like hits you like wow like I want to help them so, yeah so I really come out of love it with that, ideas yeah. that could yeah. like, improve that which is really cool especially as uh, warming we're user interface engineers and if the user cannot correctly interface with the products that we're building then we're doing it wrong and I, I think a common one I see a lot or hear a lot is the oh people just don't understand the UI and it's yeah. like well no if Everybody doesn't understand it, then you're the one that's wrong. It's not the people because the people are ultimately the ones that have to use it. Or unless you're creating the product for yourself. But that's typically not what we're getting paid for. <laughs> generally, no. Yeah, no, it's generally that's not it. I mean, there's times I've created things for myself, but I'm not rolling it out to the world. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like we've listed a lot of great things and there are a lot of great things. And I do think user testing should be done. But there are some disadvantages or at least things to be aware of that when you're structuring a test or for a user test, what are some things that could be a disadvantage when user testing? <laughs> there are many. Yeah, I guess I'll speak um, from Evernote's perspective. Sometimes you can like learn the wrong wrong thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Actually, like I want to share an example of like what happened at Evernote where um, we like did a lot of user testing and it was we like testing a bunch of users it was like hard to like kind of like show them all like the different features that Evernote offers so there's like tags there's notebooks there's lots of different ways you can organize your content and so we actually like started testing a bunch of different like onboarding flows to like call out these like features so like hey like here's a little tool tip about here are tags and hey these are notebooks and then we launched like our business product so like hey these are spaces and then like actually as new user tests came in when we like made these changes sure like people started being more aware but then we actually like started noticing like sometimes some of the retention would go down and it was because like people were overwhelmed with like all the things like oh there's tags there's notebooks it's like they i just want to create a note and like sure we like call that out in the first step but it's just like people get so overwhelmed that you know it, it can like have like you, you have to be careful of like what you like decide to like what problem you decide to tackle i guess i like if, if that, that example sense. no that, that actually makes a lot of sense is because like you're actually trying to make things very organized for people and give them options on how to organize mm -hmm. but at that point it becomes like there's too many options to right. organize that's interesting yeah, yeah it's and like so it becomes like this like overwhelming thing that's like a stressor not something that's helping organize their life yeah it's like we try to ultimately 
try to like optimize for maybe like power users. Like we assumed like people would become power user and like, oh, I get all these options to organize, but not everyone like organizes, like is like super organized. Some people just like want to create a note and like just like leave it there and come back to it. And they don't need to be organized. They just search everything or something. So it's just, you really have to like be aware of that. And, you know, upon further, more user testing, we were able to learn that. So humbling. <laughs> humbling experience <laughs> you uh there are many disadvantages or i wouldn't say disadvantages but there are many like gotchas to user yeah, testing that's that, a like, good way to put it yeah because it's like not a disadvantage but like no. other than the money and time blah blah blah. um i mean that is like it is it's time that you sure. could have shipped the product and hope that the feature worked better because what you could gamble and that it could just be a really great feature but you wasted all this time trying to figure out if it was a great feature yeah like the cost of flying I don't know, five people to Thailand to do qualitative testing is yeah. expensive and it's time consuming with wait for it to get back and write it up and discuss it in the group. Um, but I guess it's like your point brings up a good one that is the downfall of many startups in Silicon Valley and that's uh, feature creep mm-hmm. where you ask yeah. 10 people and you're like, and they all say, I'd love your product, but if you had this one thing, I would definitely buy it. Right now, I wouldn't buy it. But if you had this one thing, I would totally like this is like the game changer and you end up spending like six months or a year or whatever and you blow your whole runway trying to build this like one feature because it's the killer feature according to the 10 people you talk to and then you get out in the real world you're like oh this wasn't it uh in my prime example and i'm gonna mock them because stacy's not here to defend atlassian is jira for feature creep like go into a jira board and it's just like i just want to file a ticket assign it to somebody and like add some comments, but like there's 50 budget or buttons and widgets and I'm sure it's customizable, but it is though, but that's hard it too. It's very hard to customize. And so that becomes a tax as well. How you build your own yeah. like little dashboard and tooling for each type of ticket and everything. It's very, very flexible, but it's also daunting, similar to Augustus's point. There's all these features and it's daunting. Jira scares me. I don't need... 98 percent of the features in jira i'm just trying to file a ticket or close a ticket like but that's an example of feature creep many a silicon valley company has gone down wasting time trying to build out this one feature rather than like just getting something out the door like an mvp they're just like oh what should we build this one thing the corner is going to turn and we're going to get more money and all these things and it just it never happens i want to say uh what's some notable examples i want to say fabulous is a probably a good example what's fabulous Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong. That was the one that like was building this revolutionary modeling framework in JavaScript. Oh, interesting. Or famous? Is it famous? Famous. Yeah, yeah. that famous. sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah, like, what was like fabulous? No, okay, yeah. What happened? Famous? <laughs> I don't know. I think they like kept saying they're building this new thing, but I mean, maybe it came out and I didn't notice. But like their time had come and gone, and like I'm not knocking those people. I'm sure they're very smart people, but like it was one of those just like get something out the door instead of like, let me build one last feature. And that could be it too, I guess, to even the point of the time, especially when you're a startup, sometimes you need, it's almost better to have something out the door versus like getting refining and getting the perfect thing. Um, So I think there's a balance. I think there's definitely, you need some input or else you're kind of in a box and you're very like closed minded looking at the product too much. And so you need others perspective, but it is a time cost for sure. And it's a bit of an investment, but it could also save you in the long run, too. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I, there's a balance between building features and getting something out the door. Um, I had a friend in New York who's building like a video editing startup. And he's like, well, I had all these big clients that are just like, yeah, if you had this one feature, 
I would like totally invest in your product and I would buy it, I'd sign up. And then he built it and they're like, well, actually our needs have changed or something. Because like yeah. corporations don't care. No. no and it just, and, it just sunk and that, there was, startup. There was no like set contract that if you add this feature in there, I'll buy a right. year, 10 years co- contract, nothing like that. It's like, you know, and of course, when you're a startup, you're like, cool, you'll pay me. I'll do that feature. Totally. Like, <laughs> I, I need to make this so that, you know, yeah, it, that, that can be really difficult. Uh, another one, and we actually talk about this is like, um, well, there's a few, but there's like, uh, I forget the actual psychological name, but it's like people pleasing. So it's like, if you're in a room full of Augustus and Ryan and like, you're just like, yeah, we put a lot of sweat and tears in this product. How do you like it? People are biased to be like, I love it. Even if they don't, because they want to be like, they want to please people. Even if they don't know you, that's just human nature. So, so you get like, the UI is great. A good example is um, give a speech or something, and it's like a terrible speech or something, and then ask your mom or your parents, to be like, <laughs> what did you think? They'll be like, yeah, that was pretty good. When, like, you know for a fact it was not good, but because people want to make you happy, they will tell you it was They don't want to hurt your feelings. It's like, it's hard to be very uh, constructive at that point. Yeah. And you're right. That could very well happen. I think it happens quite often. Which is which is why I I totally recommend people if you do user testing watch the videos like because I, I I totally I totally know what you're talking about it's like you know how much work went into it and it's like you don't want that work to go to waste but it's when you see like a user struggling with that it's just like okay well you can't argue there's there's no argument against this right it's like if people are actually like but that could but even there okay that that's a, i completely agree with you on that mm-hmm. but then you could go down this rabbit hole just because this one person had a problem that's fair with that's it, a right? great point point. And, yeah. and so i think that could be the disadvantage yeah. sometimes you get false positives where you're like oh my god this needs to be completely fixed and like right. torn down rebuilt and and it, it could very well that could be legitimate but your sample size is so small that you might be going after something that really only impacts that one person out of, you know, maybe you only did three tests. No, that's true. And, yeah, and okay. So that's, I, no, 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 but I'm you, not arguing you, with you. No, that's but a great like, point. Don't don't go chasing <laughs> these users and be like, you're right, I need to fix it. I, I think what you're both saying is like distilling false positives from false negatives mm-hmm. is a difficult, like that's why it's qualitative. Like you have to at some point make a judgment call. There's no like three people said yes, three people said no, who's right? Somewhere in the middle. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know. I, I think, Ryan, you're right. You can end up chasing a false negative for a long time. Like, this one guy from Akron, like, hated our product. We got to fix it and make it better for him. But he could just, like... It could have been a poor internet connection. Yeah. Or who knows? Like, there's there's a lot of variables in there. And it's such a small sample size that it could really send you down the rabbit hole. And so, I think you have to monitor that. I also think it can be difficult to have the right questions. If you don't ask the right questions, oh, yes. that can really give you some weird signals. I'm trying to think of a good example, but I mean, one, if you ask too many questions of a user, then that could be it too, is eventually like to even to Jem's point is like asking your mom if it's good or not, you know, she might be a little biased and just tell you it's good. But if you ask 10 things, they might not want to say like all 10 things are bad. So they might pick, you know, five of them good and five bad. And it's like really all 10 were bad. And and so it's like you have to really narrow focus and understand like what you're trying to get out of it. And I think there's a bit of an art to that. It's like same thing as like yeah. writing yeah. writing a survey. Well, and sur- survey is pretty qualitative as well. Kind of have to read into that as well. And like it's it's not perfect if you're like, why did you cancel your subscription to, you know, whatever product? It's like, well, there's like five reasons. 
and then that other check box or whatever, like, <laughs> you know, and they're like, I don't know, I'm just going to check one. And so like, you don't really know they, it's really hard. It might give you a little bit of a signal, but it's not perfect. So we're, we're definitely on the user interface side, but there are like the UX side, the user experience is a real like field that I guess we don't talk about that. We probably touch on it a lot, like user experience, but like it's very different from UI. Cheers, too. Oh, cheers. oh yeah. I was just like, cheers. I was like, we well, cheers. Squared. Yeah, cheers. Ding. Someone who's like skilled at user experience is someone cheers. that like, sorry, I'm just nailing it today. Yeah, we got to finish these. <laughs> they know how to ask the questions in an unbiased way because it's actually very difficult to ask a question in a unbiased way. It's like not like a leading way. Or, right. That's, yeah. that's a good way to that, put yeah. it, too. Yeah. Like, Augustus, do you like these new shoes that I spent $100 on? You're going to be like, yes, because I led you to say, like, yes. But you say, like, objectively, do you like these shoes? Like, I, I don't know how to do if I'm you not said the price is lower, I might be like, not really, uh, because I don't feel bad that you didn't waste a bunch of money on that. Um, but that literally that small variable has just changed someone's perspective. I love that example. But that's why you need a user experience. You need someone that right. like, knows how to ask objectively, because it's not about making sure your product is the best product and people love it. It's about like getting actual valuable data out of that, which is a very hard problem. Yeah. I mean, that's why we literally hire people in consumer insights to do this. And like, that's why there's that job. Like, I think all three of us could probably run a user testing and and do an okay job at it. Chances are we might get some of those like wrong signals and, and you know, that we might get some really good signals though as well, but Chances are we're not asking the questions right. We might be leading someone down the wrong path. Yeah, I was going to throw like another example. Um, not that we ask these questions. Like we have like a UX researcher who's very professional asking, but like I guess another leading question would be like, oh, like for organizing your notes, which do you prefer, notebooks or tags? And ah. it's kind of like, hmm. uh, well, I might not prefer either of them, but you are leading them to choose one or the other, right? <laughs> and so, like, maybe they prefer searching or maybe, yeah, they, maybe they don't prefer organizing. Yeah, rather it's like ways. you've let her, you just, yeah, you just kind of led them. The option rather than be like, how do you organize exactly. your notes? Yeah. Oh, I don't. Well, that's an answer. Yeah. But you wouldn't have got that answer out of those. Oh, I probably like notebooks. Whereas, like, I literally yeah. don't use any of the two the options that you gave me. That's a good example mm-hmm. as well. And now we're, we're digging deep into, like, theory, but... That that can be a problem with A-B testing as well. It's like you have two yes. buttons on a screen. People prefer the pink button over the red button. But maybe they hate the pink button too, but like it's just <laughs> slightly better than the other option. But still at that point, at least you're incrementally getting better in, in some ways because you have pretty quantitative, you have enough data. Well, hopefully you have enough data. That's another like whole nother story. If you're not getting hitting statistical significance, then that could be a whole nother problem. But that's another episode on A-B that testing. Is. But that's why you do hold back tests to exactly. make sure that you're, to make sure that you're doing it properly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and another disadvantage to user testing that you can, or not disadvantage, again, like cases to look out for is um, locality bias. So, mm. Ryan, Augustus, check out my sweet new app. And what it does is it delivers cold beer to you anytime. It costs $50. I'm but sold. Exactly. Please make this. <laughs> you were like, oh, we're, we're, we're going to get VC funded. We're going to make a millions of dollars, billions of dollars, trillions of dollars off this app. Yep. But I've already paid for it. Look at where we live. Look at the income levels. Look at like your uh, technical expertise. And that's something that it's actually hard to avoid. Because if you if we did just user testing in Silicon Valley, I think the average user is going to be slightly higher because we might get some uh, people that actually work at software companies, things yeah. like that. And it's totally bias your product in one way. Mm-hmm. 
And avoiding that is pretty difficult. Like it's important to travel the world if you can or like find people that are not in your income levels or economic levels or people just like think differently than you. Diversity. 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 I think, well, I mean, we've even talked about diversity in hiring. I think that's the same idea is like when you're building a product, like I said, kind of made that example. I built sometimes build tools for myself. Well, guess what? It's going to work for my use case. And like, if I give it to each of you, you're both going to be like, well, I kind of want this to work and this feature change. But it's like I built it for myself. We're not building products for ourselves. We need that diverse way of thinking to help shape and build the product to be great for everyone. I mean, if you're only building it for a few people, then just ask those few people what they want. But that's typically not the case. And so I agree with you, Jem, too, is like, yeah, looking in our little bubble of Silicon Valley is probably not the best place. You might get some decent feedback, but I, I do think you need to go other countries or even other places if you're looking in the US. Just go some other cities that may not be adverse to being in tech all the time. Or even ask your parents. I honestly that sometimes is a good test. You know, we're we're kind of talking about it from the budget of companies. I mean, I build products on the side. I know each of you do. And like sometimes just like throw it at your parents and see if it's intuitive. And and sometimes that can be a lot of feedback, too, is, you know, there again, it's very small sample size. But that could be a signal that you might be like, huh, hadn't thought of that that way and might change how you approach it. Yeah, it's it's like actually a larger life philosophy. It's important to have friends that will give you honest feedback Mm -hmm. because that's actually very hard to come by because, again, most people just want to make you happy or like good job augustus like you did a great job like all the time like but that's that's not valuable for your personal growth it's not valuable for your product growth and that's it's something to avoid it's like an edge case on user testing yeah when do you think you should be doing user testing like when's the optimal time i know i said early is probably best but do you feel differently personally like routinely is like you should always be user testing every now and then yeah like honestly like i Uh, Yeah, I just can't really see like a moment where you shouldn't be user testing. Granted, you don't have to do it like every single day or something, but it's definitely like to get like getting a lot of perspective um, helps. And even like even during like seasonal time, like seasonal times, like Hmm. or well, I guess that's more of a demographic thing where like so for us, like during this when the school year starts, maybe we'll get like a huge bump because people Uh, are like trying to be productive and stuff. So it's like good to be like it's just good to always be. User testing lots of different demographics. Right. And doing it at different times. I yes. like that too. Is like, so you might want to target that back to school crowd. Yes. But you may also want to see what happens in the summer, mm-hmm. you know, when it's yeah, like yeah, exactly. time or whatever. That's interesting as well. So I have a question for you both. All right. So Henry Ford or someone once said, like, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. So yeah. how do you avoid that when you're user testing? Like, if you have a radical new idea, how do you avoid people being like, well, I don't think this is going to work? Because most innovative ideas like streaming on the internet that's that's a crazy idea time right nobody's gonna want that and and a lot of people have been told that that's when the brilliant ideas are there too is like we're shifting completely yeah that's that's a good question so how do you how do you test for that wait can you can you repeat the question Uh, so how do you test radical ideas like radical approaches like something just completely different yeah, because like, okay, well, let's use the Henry Ford one. That's a perfect example. Back when Henry Ford decided we need to build this motorized car, mm-hmm. if he went and got user testing on this, it would have been a 
he definitely would have got a lot of negative feedback that said, don't do this. This is terrible. I want my horse to be faster. Like this doesn't help me in any way. Like I guarantee that it would have been like that because he did get pushed back or it kind of seemed like a dumb idea at the time. Would you, if you did that now, like it'd be like us saying like, here's a horse. You want to trade in your car for this horse? No, like not at all. So I don't know how, like, at that, at what point? So that would actually be an example where user testing wouldn't have worked, I guess, right? Is that what you're kind of asking? Yeah, like how do you test radical approaches to solving problems that people haven't seen before? That I mean, people like familiarity. So how do you test something that's just completely unfamiliar? Honestly, in my opinion, when your ideas are just so new, like it's hard to get people to buy in unless they've actually unless they actually see the application of how it's solving the problem you're trying to solve. So like, yeah, and it's like, I find it hard for you to like user test it when you you don't even have a really a finished product, which is like, I don't know, like for startups, right? They try to like, like show maybe concepts, but they have to like get like something going to like get like investment funding and stuff like that. But yeah, it is pretty tough. Um, I, ugh, I don't know what, <laughs> like, Honestly, if you're, I feel like if you're just starting out, like user testing might not be like the thing you're trying to solve for. Like really figure out what problem you're trying trying to solve first, and then like how you're going to do that, and then you can kind of focus on like yeah. user testing. It might be that might be you might be in a too early phase for that. That's my under my yeah maybe my take on it. I think I there know. again, <laughs> you I don't know. I, I think that goes back to being very qualitative. Is like you still need to take the feedback and decide what to do with it. I don't I don't know if there's an easy answer. I think if you were Henry Ford in that situation, you might still be like, yeah, I don't care what they all say. I'm still going to go forward with this. Right. Yeah, it's tough. Yep. I don't know if there's a perfect answer, but it, it, it did bring up, you know, when we said about like when to get started with user or when to do user testing. I think like anytime that you have a hypothesis that you want to answer, that might be a good time. Or like I like what uh, Augustus said of like o- often like keeping, you know, often do user testing, don't stop doing it. I think that's good. But I think also if you have something new or a hypothesis you want to test, use user testing. Just curious, do you know what Ford did? <laughs> he kept on building. He just kept yeah, on building. And now yeah. it's a major car company. Yeah. It's crazy. How can you get started user testing? What are some ways to like get started? I know actually Augustus mentioned usertesting.com. I think to me that's probably one of the best services to really just give it a try and you can learn quickly doesn't take much you don't need mm-hmm. a, you don't need a fancy <laughs> glass two-way mirror or anything like that you literally can just have people online testing your product yeah i guess for us yeah i def i definitely think usertesting.com is like a good place if you're like really new and stuff even like just testing within your own company like from other teams like like maybe like the marketing team or human resources or analytics like asking their perspectives and granted that's still kind of a bubble. You're still, you're not like getting the whole picture, but even that kind of testing is valuable. Like I mean, seeing, dog fooding your own right, product exactly. is people, like, that's really great. Right. Like people who do, who haven't seen what the actual like flow is, like they don't know all the possibilities, like just seeing how they would, Hey, you know, how would you get to notebooks from, or something of the sort? Like just seeing like that from like anybody who doesn't know what it would normally be is very valuable. So it's a I good think, Amazon Me- Mechanical Turk is a good, can be a good tool for that. Like you have to be very careful. It's um, people can sometimes fly through things if you're paid on like how fast you complete it. But it's a good way of just like outsourcing general 
I've got this work I need to do, or I need random people from around the world to test this out. It could be good. You have to manage it carefully, but good work. Yeah. And also friends and family. Always a good spot. Like you said, though, Jim, might be a little bit biased. bias. Yeah. But you might get some signals. I think just being aware of what signals you're getting. Yeah. Tell them you didn't work on it. <laughs> My friend Augustus built this. Yeah. What do you think? He I think sucks. it's garbage. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Just, just FYI, he's not my really good friend. So just be totally honest. Just want to know some dude to hang out sometimes. All right. Before we get into picks, what advice would you give someone wanting to start user testing? Make sure the person, the proctor, whoever's in charge of the test, is preferably someone not with the company or they're unbiased like you have a set of questions like Augustus said and you just print them out and have someone else who's unrelated to the company read them because unconscious bias even in the way we say things is it's like it's a very real thing and it we can't ever account for it so it's like again do you like my nice expensive shoes like I get, even that phrase there is like already leading you and you don't want that you want someone that's like has no stake has no skin in the game they're just like I'm here to do this job and then leave that's ideally what you want when I think it also even to that point, well, the expensive term that you said could like that already leads you to a, like certain feeling and the fact that it's yours too. You didn't, you said my shoes. And if it was just like, what do you think of this pair of shoes? Yes. It's like, that's already removed it. Cause I might like, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but if you're like on the shelf, I'm not going to think anything of it that I'm hurting your feelings. You just said, what do you think of these shoes? And so like that, just that wording has already changed, like how an answer could be given. Yeah. Yeah, I guess for I actually like what you suggested, Ryan, um, like even like family or friends are like really good people. And basically what um, Jem alluded to, like people who are very unbiased, like are very good places to start. Um, I think if you're actually an engineer that is like building out some things, one thing that I think is really good is um, like I, I firmly believe if you have to explain something, it's probably not a good user experience. Yeah. Right. And so I think when you go into a design meeting where they like pitch, oh, hey, this is like the design and this is the flow. Like you kind of have the flow that they're explaining. So it's like not to say intuitive, but it's just like very explained to you. It helps to sometimes just like before the meeting, just go to the design and just look at it and see if you know what you can do from there. Sometimes like that helps to like just like give you the perspective of like, oh, okay, that's how I was supposed to do that. And bring your questions to the Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. Um, I also think like when you actually plan to do a test, like if you are wanting to do it and to be successful in the test is really setting clear expectations for the participants. I think that's really important. And also to try not overwhelm them with too many tasks, similar to like the, the notes example or how to organize. Don't give them too many tasks or ask them of too many things because it can become overwhelming. And at that point, you might just be answering just to get out of being or just to kind of finish. So be very prescriptive and be very, you know, focused on what you're trying to achieve. And like if you need another session of user testing for another feature, then do another set. Don't try and cram it all into one. So what you're to sum up, like what you're saying is like an A-B test. You should have a hypothesis uh, in the beginning and like a clear thing you're trying to test yep. and not just like, let's throw this out there and see what people think. Cause yeah. Right. Like I've, I've built this whole new product. What do you think of it? Well, what are you wanting me to look at? Like, what are mm-hmm. things like, you know, you can lead them, you know, is it intuitive? How do you, how would you go and create a new note? So let's go to the Evernote examples. Like, here's the product. How do you go create a new note? 
Well, now you're asking how intuitive is it to actually go create a note? Right. And that, that could literally be a question and that could tell you a lot. But if you're just like, yeah, what do you think of this amazing product? And you're like, I, I mean, it's amazing. it looks great. <laughs> like um, it didn't really tell you much. And so I think you really have to understand what you're trying to get out of it mm-hmm. and ask the right questions. It's not easy. I don't think this is an easy, like there's not a one solution that fits all. It's like, here's a checklist and do it. But to just be very thoughtful when you're building these tests and, and have a strong hypothesis. That's a good way to put it. Jim. Yeah. All right. At the end of each episode, we love to uh, choose picks of things that we are just dying to share with our listeners that we found interesting and think hopefully people enjoy them. What do each of you have for today's uh, episode? Jim? Uh, Should I just like hate on the other panelists who weren't here? No, I won't do that. I will not. I'm going to take a high road today. I miss them. I know. I miss them too. Uh, <laughs> wherever they are in the world which actually they're like most of them are like in like a few are in europe uh i don't know like everyone's all, all over traveling. the place they're all traveling we're a well-traveled group yeah mm-hmm. but you uh, us three we're in san francisco we're right now we didn't get the memo <laughs> that we need to be traveling right now <laughs> um my first pick is um it's a movie on netflix i want to say it's netflix original but i think it's on other platforms as well but it's called the little prince it is a fantastic movie. Uh, actually, uh, probably a year or two ago, Reed Hastings, our CEO, recommended he's like, you should watch this movie. And I was like, what do you know, Reed? It's like a half cartoon, half claymation movie. It is phenomenal. I would argue it's one of the best movies we have on our platform. I won't, I won't spoil it for it, but like sit through it. It is worth watching. It is an original film. I have not seen it. I've heard good things. You should watch it. Right. it, it I won't say like life changer, but like it, it's definitely like a very uh, solid, it's a solid movie to watch. Yeah, I'll put it that way. Um, my next pick is for the segment called Valley Silicon, where I pick things that shouldn't exist, but they only do because Silicon people in Silicon Valley have too much money or not always good sense. Um, my pick this time is the Slack Incubator. Yes, I'm not hating on Slack personally, because there's some good people to work there, but the fact that a startup has an incubator for other startups is like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like a 10-year-old babysitting a five-year-old being like, hey, kid, look at me. I Don't worry. I know everything there is to know about life. <laughs> Follow my example. Like, I don't know. And Slack is not the only incubator. in. It's not the only startup that has other startups working for it. But it's just a weird concept. I, I don't know. That's like something very off about that. And also, okay, I'm just going to use the platform for a rant. Slack, the app, it sucks. On OS X, it sucks. There are three different loading screens. They bury it. They disguise it very well. I'll give it to designers. But Slack should, like, really focus on making their app better and more stable. Um, sorry for that rant. Anybody works at Slack, but fix your stuff, man. Stop incubating startups. Yeah, they're, they'll, they'll fix it, Jeff. I'm sure they'll fix it now. They'll listen to Jem Young. It's like, ah, oh, Jem said so, so. I like Slack. Well, I like Slack bots, but yeah, no, no, that's, but yeah, there, I mean, Slack isn't perfect, I'm sure. So I guess this is what, what kind of picks do you have for us? Sure. Uh, so my first pick is um, Talk to Books. It's this um, experimental AI from Google. It's like books.google.com. And uh, you can like help train their AI for like talk by talking to books. I thought it was like really interesting. And like I went to Google IO, I was pretty fortunate to be able to go and like they're making like huge pushes for AI and AI is just like so fascinating. Like the problems they're solving with machine learning and AI, it's like really cool. So I thought this was like a cool thing to check out. 
Um, and then the second thing uh, is this thing called Pocket Developer. Um, I saw it on Cassidy or Cassidy, I think Cassidy Williams um, Twitter, and it's basically this dice that has like a bunch of like common sayings that developers might say. Like, um, let's see, one of them is like, "That's a first or like <laughs> clear your cash and then there was like one, booty. yeah or and one was like ie6 and it's just like question mark exclamation point it's just like a funny dice and it's like you can just like i don't know you can just roll it and i, I want one of <laughs> that so. is great i love the uh works for me <laughs> oh that's a good one that's it works on my machine uh almost done <laughs> yeah so 20-sided die, 20 different possibilities. That's great. All right, uh, I have two picks. I have one, being in a new house recently, I had to go and hang up artwork and all that fun stuff. And Jem is actually the one who recommended this to me, I think a couple years ago, but the 3M command strips. Oh, yeah. Man, those are good. Like, you don't have to, like, drill holes in the wall or hammer nails in the wall. These strips are amazing. They're just, like, sticky and they're Velcro super impressive they work really well and also like moving out of my last apartment they didn't ruin the walls so that that was that was a win and then my second pick i've been huge fan of sonos speakers they're just impressive for how you can actually connect uh, on like a wi-fi network control them really easily send music to them like if you're on spotify and you want to just like you come home and you want to send it to your sonos speaker it's impressive how well they work and then the more you get, the like the better they work with the ecosystem. You can even connect like other things that aren't really like smart speakers. Like there's a connect uh, that will you know hook up to an amplifier. All in all, I'm really impressed with it. Uh, I have a few things that are Sonos, and I've been really impressed with the products. They're on the pricier end, but all in all, like if you want to be fully connected on Wi-Fi for music, it's pretty impressive. Mm. So before we end the episode, where can everyone get in touch with you and get pissed off at your picks and rants, Jem? <laughs> I am on Twitter, at Jem Young. Send me whatever you want, because I'll probably ignore it. Just kidding. If you're Aww. nice, I'll respond. Uh, yeah, you can reach me at um, Twitter, at Augberto, A-U-G-B-U-R-T-O. And I'm on Twitter as well, at Burgess D. Ryan. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to Front End Happy Hour podcast on, you know, whatever podcast catcher you use. Follow us on Twitter at FrontEndHH. Any last words? It's a great user experience. Great user experience. Cheers. Cheers. Good user experience. Even a drunk guy can do it. <laughs> drunk testing. It's we a thing. Mention that. That's yeah, a famous it is, like, yeah. it is a thing. And there's people who you can pay to test your site drunk. Can I sign up for that? Oh, yeah. We should do it. We yeah. should do I it. I mean, we, we should do it. We'll we do, should it. do it after an I'll, I'll do it. I've never we'll, used Evernote. We'll, I will get drunk and Oh, that would be awesome. Be like, I would love I it. Do I will record it. I will film it, too. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll do it for Netflix, too. <laughs>